Turn to Proverbs 19. Nineteen twenty-one is the text we'll be looking at this morning. And if you will allow me to begin with a correction from last week. I think I'm sad Brother Stan's not here because it was his correction. Uh, I defined wisdom as true knowledge applied righteously, I think. And he took umbrage at the term true knowledge. He said it was redundant. And as I thought about that this week, I thought, that's right. You, if you know something that's false, you don't know it. Um, and so that was an interesting idea. Um, so I, I stand corrected, and I tell you that, um, well, maybe I'll send this message to Stan, the, the recording, so he can hear me say that. But I tell you that not so much because my conscience is plagued about the <laughs> conundrum, but that I, that's a delight to me when people come up to me and tell me stuff like that. Uh, I'm always happy to be corrected, and in fact, it's an encouragement to hear a nice sermon, Pastor, but the greatest encouragement you can give is for me to know you're engaged with the Word that I'm preaching. So whether or not I always get it right is of little concern to me. Whether or not uh, we are feeding on the Word together is my greatest concern. And so that's always a joy to me when, when someone comes up with a question or comment or correction. I, I love it. Um, so that's why I bring it up. But let's go to God's Word in prayer. Or let's go to prayer and then we'll go to God's Word. Father in Heaven, please help us. Uh, We face many challenges, and we need your help. Help us to see uh, that it's not always your will that we overcome or that we conquer, but instead many times it is your will that we endure. May it be shown that not, not that we're mighty, but that our faith is persistent, because the object of our faith is mighty. May we learn by your word the power of holding our own plans loosely and trusting in you entirely. In Christ, amen. Let's stand for the reading of the word. Um, The sermon this morning is on Proverbs 19.21, but as Paul told Timothy, I believe, to um, be dedicated to the public reading of the word, I thought I'd add some New Testament reading since this is such a short verse that was relevant to the topic. So we'll read James 4, 13 through 16 as a reading, New Testament reading, and then we'll read our text for this morning, Proverbs 19, 21. So first from James, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. <clears throat> Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And Proverbs 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. Friday morning, I went into my office and I sat down and I started diligently working on this sermon. I was behind where I wanted to be. 
uh, and I started trying to assemble things in my mind. What would be the main point? What would be the structure? What would be a good intro that would capture the problem and that this question, this text answers all these things? And then uh, that sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit came over me. Not a slap in the face, but a gentle nudge. I haven't prayed yet. Here I am preparing to preach a sermon about how God's plans are preeminent over man, and I haven't paused to ask God to guide my steps in my study. And it's a regular problem for me because I think I'm God. Because I think that if I just come up with a good plan and execute it, I'll arrive at a positive result. Because I tend to lean on my own understanding rather than trusting God to direct my paths. Because I actually think I'm strong enough, I'm smart enough, I'm capable enough to stand on my own two feet without God's help. This is our problem. Men plan, we scheme, we devise, we map, we develop without any regard to whether or not the target we've set and the path we've planned is God's target and God's path. And as busy 21st century Americans, uh, the calendar has in many ways become our golden calf. So we have to come to a place in our lives where we learn to plan loosely and trust God. That's really the proposition of this message this morning. Plan loosely and trust God. I think that's the exhortation that lies behind Solomon's proverb here. Um, And it's ultimately because, as the title of this sermon says, God plans man's plans. We may bucket that, but it's true. God plans man's plans. God's plans are better than ours. They lead to better human thriving. And they give him more glory and us more joy. And they include our plans. So if God has screwed up all of your life plans, that's probably because your plans were terrible. (laughs) But God's are good. They're always good. So plan loosely, trust God. But it leaves us with that question, uh, should we plan at all? You know, should we just wait for a scroll to descend from the clouds with our life plan mapped out for us? What is our responsibility in all of this? Proverbs actually has a lot to say about planning. Uh, On the one hand, the plans of men can be quite devious. A few examples from Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 12, 20, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. We are devisers of evil. Proverbs 3.29 Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. We can be easily take advantage of our trusting neighbor. We're devious men. This week I sat down and jotted out some uh, planning confessions. Here's a few of them. When I plan, I plan for myself even though I should plan first for God, second for my neighbor, and last for myself. When I plan, 
I rely on my own abilities, intuitions, and motives rather than God's strength, word, and providence. When I plan, I become entitled. I set up false expectations and become rigid and inflexible. When I plan, I devise secret, dishonest, and unsavory means to accomplish my goals. When my plans don't come to fruition, I blame God. When they do, I give myself the credit. Man's plans are devious because we have filthy hearts. And Proverbs teaches us that it is unwise to follow those plans because ultimately they lead to death. Any plan of man that is not nested inside God's will will lead to destruction. When our, when our plans are unhinged from the fear of the Lord, they'll hurt us and they'll hurt everyone around us. But that doesn't mean that planning our lives, thinking ahead about the future is some kind of act of rebellion, like I have this way, I want to go, and God has His way. Proverbs consistently commends wise planning and condemns plan, not planning ahead as foolishness and as laziness. Uh, teaching young kids about this is kind of fun because the consequences are relatively small, a goose egg or a scrape. So you usually just watch it unfold and let them learn the lesson themselves. And then you have an opportunity while nursing a goose egg to teach them. Did we learn anything? Did we learn something about the consequences of our actions? About thinking ahead? It is indeed foolishness not to think ahead, not to plan. A few examples again from Proverbs. A famous one, Proverbs 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. The ant plants ahead. The ant stores up for the lean seasons. It's wise to plan ahead. Proverbs 21.5 The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. So God's word, Proverbs, <laughs> commends diligence, commends planning ahead, commends foresight. If we don't plan for the future, we'll be left out in the, in the cold without food, without shelter, with no provision for our family. So we must plan, but we must not plan outside of the Lord's plans. A few parallel verses from Proverbs to our ours from Proverbs 19 here this morning. Proverbs 16.9 The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. So it is sinful not to plan. Failure to think about the future will hurt us, and will leave us and those who rely on us in a sad state. Um, so I, I had a few confessions about when I don't plan. Uh, when I don't plan, it's because I'm lazy. When I don't plan, I blame God for the outcome. Love of God and love of neighbor require forethought, forethought foresight, discernment, preparation. We, we have to be planners 
But we must be aware that there, there are traps on either side of that calling. On the one side is the trap of self-service, of devising dishonest and devious plans for our own self-service. And on the other side is the failure to plan due to laziness, or, as we'll talk about here in a moment, fatalistic fallacies about the relationship between God's actions and plans and man's actions and plans. How do those two things interface? We need to talk about that with this verse. Um, If we're going to talk about how God's plans and man's plans interact, we need to address that age-old question of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility because we know God is totally sovereign and yet man is responsible. So how do we deal with that? Um, This proverb is quite Calvinistic, isn't it? It tells us that we do plan, but God's plans always trump ours. Ours come to pass sometimes, and His come to pass all of the time. God's plan, God plans man's plans. If that's true, why is that not fatalism? I mean, why not just let go and let God? Why plan at all? Why do anything at all? There's a theological word that helped me answer this question in my own journey to understand the total sovereignty of God. It's a, really a biblical idea given a theological name, and the word is compatibilism. Compatibilism. Which means basically that God's sovereignty and man's responsibility are compatible. Now, if we insist on understanding all the mechanics of that, we'll we'll walk away unsatisfied. If, however, we are just after what the Bible plainly teaches, we can be satisfied with this concept. Compatibilism is the word for you if that's what you're after. And here's the dead ringer. There's three of them. Dead ringer Bible verses on compatibilism. First, Genesis 50:20, Joseph says to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So there we have Joseph's brothers throwing him in a, in a well of their own accord, of their own hatred, and yet it was in the plan of God. God meant it for good. He was acting, they were acting. Here's another one. This one's probably one of my favorites. Isaiah 10:5. God says, "Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury." Assyria is a stick God used to beat the nations, and yet he says, "Woe to them. They're going to be punished for their wickedness out of their own greed and and violence and and just vileness. They came in and and they were horrible to the people that they attacked. Out of their own will, they did that, and yet they were the stick that God used to beat the nations. So, they're responsible, and God is sovereign. The third text, Acts 2.23, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Here we have the worst act ever perpetrated. God 
incarnate, crucified. And it says that he was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Total sovereignty, man's responsibility. Again, if we're after the mechanics of it, we won't be satisfied. But this is clearly what the Bible teaches. If we're committed to maintaining some idea of the autonomous free will of man over and above the autonomous free will of God, we won't be able to accept this truth. But the biblical data is undeniable. The Bible teaches compatibilism. We act, but we act inside the plans and decrees of God. God plans man's plans. And rather than being a philosophical quandary to solve, this should be something that causes us to worship, to rejoice, to stand in awe of an all-powerful God, an all-knowing and totally sovereign God. I also took the time to write down some confessions about God's plans. (coughs) Here's a few of them. Uh, When God plans, they always come to pass. When God plans, they include our plans as means. When God plans, His motives are always pure. When God plans, He executes them by the word of His decree. When God plans, they maximize His glory. And when God plans, it is for the joy of His people. Um, God's interaction with the future is different from ours in that we don't interact with the future. We take stabs at what it might be. God plans the future. He create. Verbs are hard. If you say created, that puts some time stamp on it. Like in the God create the future. God is outside of past, present, and future altogether. He's eternal. But many are the plans in the mind of men. Plans of men only exist there in our minds. We can, by our experience, by observation of patterns, by knowledge of cause and effect, and really with amazing accuracy, we can guess at what the future holds. Um, Consider meteorology as an example. As much as we grouch at the weatherman, what they're able to do is pretty impressive. But that takes an an incredible amount of work and thought for us. God, on the other hand, speaks and his plans come into existence. His speech creates, his words work. When God plans, it is always for self-serving purposes. It might strike us weird. When God plans, it's always for self-serving purposes. That sounds bad to us because it is bad for us. But for God to do anything else would be gross idolatry. Who else should God worship, adore, and serve but the one worthy object of worship? Himself, the God of all the universe. But His self-service is also for us because his greatest, the greatest good is God's glory. As Calvin said, where man's highest good exists, there is his glory. Man's highest good is God's glory. And therefore, God's glory is man's glory. And his greatest glory in the world, God's greatest glory in all the world, including creation of the whole universe, is in redeeming to himself a people. 
Our redemption is God's greatest glory that He's given us through Christ. And it's there in Christ, in Christ Himself, the God-man, that we find both the example of, of the excellent planning and the plans of God. Christ is our example um, because He's the perfect man. He is wisdom personified. He, he's the only sinless man. He's the only man who ever planned perfectly. He is really the example of, of what it means to plan loosely and trust God. And of all the human beings who ever lived, he's the only one who's had omniscience and omnipotence to affect his plans by mere words. He's the only one to have perfect wisdom. And how did his wisdom manifest itself? John eight twenty eight. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. Even the, the all-powerful, omniscient Jesus submitted Himself to the Father. That's what He did. He planned loosely and trust God. When I look into the darker corners of my own heart, I have to admit the more knowledge I have, the more experience and skill, the more strength, uh, the more I'm inclined to rely on myself, on my own understanding. And here's Jesus, the very God of the universe, and he, he's in utter submission to his Father. He, is, he, he exemplifies the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom. So make your plans, make them on bended knee. Now he's not just our example. Christ is also uh, the substance and the culmination of all of God's plans. The plans of men are kind of like the Tower of Babel. We'll build a tower and reach up to God. It's a great idea. We'll build a society that's happy and prosperous by ourselves. We can do it if we try. As we progress as a species, we'll one day overcome everything that plagues us. And even as Christians, we want to conform, or we want God to conform to that standard as well. It's like the, the disciples, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Will, they, will you at this time restore the kingdom of America? Will you at this time redeem society? Will you at this time instill Christian virtue into this secular society? Will you at this time give me the American dream? We want God to conform to our perception, our plans. Whatever God chooses to do, our hope rests secure in this word. It is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So anything that has come to pass, say in this last week or through the last year, has come to pass because God said it would come to pass. Amen. It was his purpose. He may one day cause the United States to become a bulwark and a beacon of righteousness and justice, he may allow it to collapse and fall under the weight of its own transgressions. He may give us abundance and freedom, or we may be like the saints of old who were 
rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name and who joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Whatever he does, though, we can rest confident and secure knowing that his overarching plan is driving toward his glory and our redemption. Whatever may come, these verses should give us the greatest confidence. First um, Peter one seventeen through twenty one, and read. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world and was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in him. Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the earth and was made manifest in these last times. That's God's plan. And he did it for us, for you and me, for those who would believe. In Ephesians 1.11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God's plans will never be thwarted. And for us, for us who are united to Christ by faith, we know that those plans are... (laughs) unfathomably positive for us. Those plans from eternity past are for us. So whatever bad ideas, whatever bad plans you've come up with, know that many plans are in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So be encouraged this morning by the total sovereignty of God. Right? R.C. Sproul, not one rogue molecule is outside his control. Praise the Lord. And be encouraged that whatever comes to pass, it is because God said it should be so. And be encouraged that God has ruined all your plans because his are better. And be encouraged that Your faithful plans for the future are nested inside a bigger picture. Be encouraged that as Jesus showed us, wise planning is dependence on God and not on ourselves. And be encouraged that in Christ, you are the object of God's saving plan. Be encouraged to plan loosely and trust God. Amen. Amen.